Welcome to Strength in the Numbers. My name is Andrew Codd, accountant, author, and commercial finance entrepreneur. And it's my job each week to bring you leaders in finance and business and deconstruct with them their real stories, insights, and hard-won lessons into practical advice on the key strengths and qualities you need to remain relevant in accounting and finance today, as well as the steps you can begin to take to elevate the impact you make to have a fun, successful, and rewarding career in accounting and finance. Now let's go over to the show. Hi everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Strength in the Numbers. Now some of you might be aware we're quickly approaching our 100th episode and over the past year or so we've had some amazing guest mentors on the show and I thought it would be quite interesting not only to look ba- back across some of those guest mentors but also look forward and look forward to whether or not how excited we are about the, what the future holds for finance and accounting and what it means for our profession and more importantly do we actually know how to benefit from some of the opportunities out there or minimise the risks so that we can all look to enjoy a better future and have more fun, rewarding and successful careers in accounting and finance? So to do this on this episode, we bring you four of our previous guest mentors who share how they've prepared for the future as well as discuss together ways on how you can remain relevant today and into the future. We also discuss with them what they've done, uh, why they did what they did, the impacts it's had on them, their careers, their colleagues and organisations. And they also share with us some ideas on how we can do the same or similar. And those guest mentors are Nilia Sadies, who's a leading finance and EPM thought leader. And Nilly shares with us a gap she's seeing between skills maturity and skills importance some areas of finance and accounting around artificial intelligence and ERP in the cloud, and a great piece of advice on maintaining balance, just like we do with double entry, but more so for our careers. Our second guest mentor is Ken Fick, another thought leader and founder of fpaexperts.com, who shares with us why we need to get comfortable with ambiguity and fuzziness in order to remain relevant, and also some of the best bits of advice he's received such as running towards a gunshot and actually was something very useful in terms of breaking things down into useful chunks and shares a great story about that as well. Next up is Paul Sweeney, a director at Flexus Business Solutions. And Paul shares with us where he sees the future of the successful finance professional and has a great phrase that we should all bear in mind about what's our extra, as well as why there needs to be a meeting of minds between the various generations in finance and how we can make that happen. And finally, one of our earliest guests, Wei Jian Young, who's the audit lead Asia Pacific at the diversified conglomerate Cargill. And Wei Qian reminds us how important authenticity is and how it can impact our success as a finance and accounting professional, why the human element is so important in this digital age, and a key quality that we should also bear in mind, not just for today, but also tomorrow. So look, this episode is jam-packed with great advice from the digital to the human side of our profession. So there's something in there for everyone on how we can remain relevant and benefit from the opportunities today or minimise the risks that are facing us tomorrow. Now, normally I jump straight over to the guests on the show at this stage. But before I do, I just want to thank everybody for listening. I'm not going to be presenting our 100th episode. That's going to be Mitan Patel who's been helping us behind the scenes. And I want to give a shout out to Mitan. Thanks for all your help. 
it's been very much appreciated. But I also like to thank our audience in terms of all the feedback you've given us throughout the year. And hopefully I've made the show better because of it. And ultimately it wouldn't be a success without the guest mentors as well. Who come on sharing their time for free. Sharing their hard won lessons. Their shortcuts. What they've learned. What they wish they did differently. Their best bits of advice. And ideas on how we can benefit from perhaps maybe their mistakes. Or the things that work well for them. Or what they might have done better. So thank you all for making this show such a success for us growing to over 130 countries as well as having tens of thousands of downloads. And I really appreciated your support and kind words along the way. But look, it's not about me, it's about our guest mentors. So without further ado, over to our mentors and the show. Look around and see what's available to develop your skills for what is going to be needed in the future. They need to own your career development and, and those future finance skills. The biggest gap we see right now between skills maturity in finance and skills importance in finance going forward is in data and technology savviness. Um, so that's one, where, one area where you should go, but <clears throat> not far behind is business partnering. Um, so it's important that finance professionals, as they go through their career development, develop both of those skills. By business partnering, we mean the ability to work with um, business leaders and business units to help them make decisions. So understanding the business, how it works, so you can give advice about improving performance within that business context. I have to say, um, I'm more excited about where we are today than I've ever been before. Um, and I know a lot of finance executives that feel the same way. I guess the ones who talk to me are not the ones who are intimidated by change, but the ones who want to leverage the change, yep. um, make their jobs more meaningful because they can have an impact on business decisions um, and contribute to strategy development through the utilization of digital tools. Uh, they provide more insight through better analytics. They provide better cost, competitive cost structure, make processes more efficient. And that also frees up their time to focus on more interesting work. Yeah, it, it's, it's like I sort of say, like, why not embrace it? You know, it just seems so much in, in terms of upside there. And like, that's that's just the time to find our, our, ourselves in. I mean, why, why wouldn't we be excited? I, I have to say my, my own journey this is you know you were very clear about it's, it's up to ourselves if we want to embrace it or not you know in fact i don't really think there's a choice i think we sort of have to mm -hmm. and uh, that's you're you're right this has never been a more exciting time that's why in terms of the the name of this show strength in the numbers i just don't think we've ever been at a stronger time in finance's history to deliver the right insights develop even better influence and build up in the businesses and also contribute a massive impact to top and bottom line performance that we've not been able to do before, particularly if we touch those two areas you mentioned, which is data and technology savviness and finance business partnering. We improve those, then I think uh, you know we'll start seeing the the value 
uh, being delivered not only in terms of to our businesses but also to our own careers so it's never been a better time for businesses or finance professionals to be involved in our work so um so really appreciate you going into that nearly and i want to be respectful of your time we could talk all day about sure. these fantastic insights i would love to but, talk um, about it all day <laughs> i know i know but i know you've got a meeting coming up so i will i'll be respectful but um is there is there sort of any other areas that's currently exciting you about um your, your working in around finance and accounting? so i think a couple of areas um advances in, te- in in terms of advances in technologies and what's coming um what's down the road for finance and i agree with you there's never been a better time i think to be in finance in terms of the influence and the value proposition for finance um we're looking at a couple of areas um in addition to rpa where there's a huge value proposition to be had uh one is artificial intelligence and the other one is uh erp in the cloud with artificial intelligence it develop is developing so quickly um and in such interesting ways it's actually the market is expected to grow by some estimates uh 42 times between uh 2016 and 2025 so it's a massive growth and i can envision massive. a time where you can sit in front of your computer and I kind of talk about it in terms of interaction with the machine and um, <laughs> oh, this conversationalist role in finance where you would sit in front of your laptop um, or screen and talk to the machine and say, hey, I'm trying to figure out the revenue trends um, between 2014, 2017 and compare them to these revenue trends and understand the difference and why there's a difference and what does it mean for our future. And the AI, the machine, would just go back and do the analysis and not only come back and say, well, here's what it means, but also say, I think that this is what you should do about it. So it's going to completely change the way we deal with technology and also increase the level of value, the amount of value we can then have when we go to management as finance and accounting professionals and have that next conversation. It's going to be a much better conversation. Um, The other thing we see is greater adoption and interest in adoption of ERP in the cloud. We all know how painful it's been to implement ERP systems. It's been taking years and millions of dollars for so many companies and Primarily, we see companies with a mishmash of systems, multiple systems, multiple instances of the same system. So hard for these systems to talk to one another. Um, Mm -hmm. One way to get around that, and this is for the core operational systems of the organization, one way to get around that is go to the cloud. Um, It's cheaper. It's going to solve these issues of data that's in silos and dramatically improve the way the companies operate um, and their performance. So I think there's more to come. Definitely. That, and what a great position to be in. <laughs> yeah. We're already doing, you know, we've already got great opportunities now and into the future. I mean, come on, what a place to have a great career So and add value to the business. So look, re- really appreciate those insights, Nelly. Uh, sort of got a few quick fire questions for you. Uh, given that, you know, you've had a 30 plus year in finance and accounting, <laughs> you know, you must have had some really great advice along the way, you know, either inside work or outside uh, personally. So like, what's the best bit of, bit of advice you've ever received? Um, 
the best advice I ever received and the hardest <laughs> advice I've, followed, I've had to follow is, because um, I've heard it from every boss I've had um, for the last 20 years, is to maintain some kind of a life-work balance. Um, I've been so passionate about my work, and I'm sure a lot of finance and accounting professionals are in a similar position, um, that it's been hard to have a life that is separate from my work. And for all of us, with the advent of digital technologies, work is just pervasive. It's with us all the time. I also, I work remotely. So work is around me in my home. So I've been trying to keep, to keep some kind of balance, but I have to say, <laughs> in 20 years, I still haven't been able to do this very well. Um, and my bosses are still on me for it. It's like the one negative thing I get in performance evaluation. Work less, which is kind of a strange thing to hear. Well, I think we are our own, if we are accountants, if you start, if you, and you and I are both accountants, I guess by trade, we love to um, make sure things are reconciled and that they are, they are even in, in, in the right categories. And, and that, that, that's our, but that's our nature. And, and, you know, we needed to have that for so many years. You know, you go back to the Italian monks who started double entry accounting and they, they love that, that as well too. It always had to be in balance. Right. Um, and I think for us, we need to do two things is, uh, you know, as a accountants and finance people, get comfortable, get greater comfort with ambiguity. So a forecast is never right, but it's incredibly valuable. Um, you know, you don't, you don't want it, you don't intend for it to be, um, you know, always right. You don't want it to be, you, you want it to be probabilistic. And so you have a picture with different scenarios of how things are going to look. Uh, and you need to tell a story. And that's, that's hard for us as well, too, because a lot of, uh, currently right now in the industry, I see a lot of people who are, are masters in Excel and data analytics. And I, I did this, and in fact, about me, my, my background in forensic accounting, I used to work with brilliant, absolutely brilliant mathematicians and, and economists um, and experts in a variety of fields. And I'd have to sit there and I have to listen to them and I have to dissect and digest all this information, which was highly, highly quantitative. Uh, and I had to translate that into usable information in smaller chunks to juries and lawyers. And those are smart people, too, but they're different intelligence. They're different smart. And they were wonderful in, in thinking up these theories and thinking up these ideas, but they weren't necessarily the best at communicating how to use them. And they had a difficult time understanding that you didn't have to be 100% right. They kept on saying, but this, but this, but this. I'm like, okay, okay. If, it, if this works the majority of the time, let's put down every single area we was about to have caveats that were like five pages long. Like, I'm okay with caveats. You know, well, because it is, right? I mean, yeah. they, they love caveats because they think, well, yes, but you're not thinking of it holistically. Okay, okay. But, you know, I mean, but people don't think through five pages of caveats. We can, we can put it in there, but what, what decision can we make with that? We need to make, come to a point where we have to be comfortable with the fuzziness and make logical decisions or help make logical decisions or support logical decisions in the right direction. And that's how we move things forward. It's interesting because I was about to ask, like, what was the best advice you ever received? But I think that's a fantastic one there. It's actually... Yeah. Take, take, I mean, because I have to say, I am a big admirer of double entry. I, just, I love the order of it. I love how easy oh, yeah. it is. But then it's so true nowadays to be so comfortable with that fuzziness. 
And yeah. we're dealing with smart people, whether it's the smart people generating the insights or the smart people doing the influencing or impacting with the insights. And we just need to get comfortable all all of those phases, actually be able to shift through all of them. Or if we can't, at least find people and compliment ourselves with those people that can. So that's, I, I mean, look, it's great it's just a great, opp- great opportunity. So, so Ken, like in terms of, I do want to ask you, like what, what's been the best bit of advice you've ever received? Run toward the gunshot. It's probably the best, uh, but yeah. I, I, and, and don't get me wrong. I am. I am by no far, far away, no warrior. I, I'm a lover by far. Um, you know, they don't. They don't. They don't want me in war. They would probably oh, kill me. Talking to me, yeah, yeah. But uh, what I mean by that is, is that um, so many years ago, and uh, you know, it was, just, it was just many years ago. I'm not going to go into Hollow Land. And and um, I remember, you know, the derivatives were a big issue, and and we learned, and there there were things called, you know, mortgage backed securities and REMEX, real estate mortgage investment conduits, and a variety of different structures, uh, financial structures that were being created. And I'm like, wow, this is just fascinating. So I I started to learn more about it, and uh, you know, bought a textbook on it, put it on my desk, started reading about it in my spare time, started talking to people about it. I mean, I think I did a couple of presentations on it. And what I found is that, you know, that's, that's, where the, that's where the gunfire was going, right? That's where all the, the hot stuff, the stock options or the litigation or whatever in my industry was going on. And what I found is that people gravitated toward me as an expert. Now, I, I didn't consider myself as an expert by any means, but they started coming to me with questions. And, um, and, and I started to, to want to answer them. And I, I love solving problems. I'm like, I don't know. Let me figure this out. And, and it grew from there to, you know, writing for the Journal of Accountancy, a big publication, CPA Journal, a variety of other things on this topic where I actually became one of the leading experts in the accounting analysis of complex securities and was called upon not only my firm, but externally to, you know, pontificate uh, and write, write reports and so on on this. What I mean by run toward the gunfire is I learned to like, okay, do it. Another way of saying is zig when someone else zags or, you know, um, do what nobody else wants to do. And they're all saying the same thing. And, you know, it's not saying, you know, if you see a guy picking up dog poop, that seems like a great professional to go into it because nobody else wants to do it. But there's obviously opportunities where, where things are hard. And, you know, just by taking a little bit of time, a little bit of interest, you know, you can help yourself just in prof- personally and professionally by running toward that and learning about it and, and going and being part of that. Um, and, and I think that was some great advice that, uh, that I received and, and that I learned and I, I received it from my father, but I didn't believe him because, you know, I never believe anything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah what do my parents know? Right. Oh uh, yeah. They, they were right about a lot of things, Andrew. A lot yeah, of things. Uh, yeah, I know. Like I'm not, yeah. I'm for, I'm for, yeah. Unfortunately, we don't tend yeah. to see these things at the time, but, but in hindsight, yes, yeah. definitely. I, I couldn't agree more. And, and, <laughs> And the second thing I just want to say too there is communication. I talked about communication before, but um, you know, in advice, my advice that was given to me is break things down into usable chunks. So let me, let me put this another way. So everything that is complex must start out simple. It, it has to. There is no other way to get there. If you look at the human body, it is probably one of the most complex machines in existence. Um, you know, I didn't create it. Obviously, you know, it's been created. <laughs> uh, but, you know, at our core, okay, 99% of the mass of the human body is made up of six elements, oxygen, carbon, hydrogen, nitrogen, calcium, and phosphorus. Okay, 99% of it is made up of those six elements. And, you know, the, those are elements that are, you know, there's nothing you can't break those down anymore, right? 
So is yeah. the human body easy? No. <laughs> we have not even come close to that. We are not close to it. But it is simple to understand. And, and it's kind of like using Google. People, when I was the CFO of a digital marketing agency, um, people were like, well, I understand why is Google so hard? Google makes it, it works really hard to make it simple. It's just not easy. The algorithm behind it to get you the 50 million pages of which they show you 10 on first page, which is most likely for you to, to be relevant to what you're looking for, is immensely hard, but it's so simple to use. And we use our bodies in the same way, right? It's so simple. We use it every day, but it's really created by six elements. By taking things and breaking them down into smaller chunks and, and understanding the simplicity within the complex in, in your communication, and then what we talked about before is building the story around it, that is some great advice. Look for the simplicity in the complex and communicate it effectively. To me, if you want a, a solid future in the finance profession, you need to do more, right? You need to do more than transactions, right? I heard a great clip from a guy and he, the way he described it is, what's your extra, yeah. right? So anybody can, can, can do a journal entry. Anybody can create financial statements. What are you going to do that's extra, that, that brings this real value that's different from what somebody else can do. The, the one thing that I would convey to people, the finance professionals is you, your title might say finance, but you're in sales too. <laughs> because if, if, if you want your organization to change, like for example, hey, this software is not working for us. We need to buy something new. Well, guess what? You're in sales. Because you have to convince a whole bunch of other people to agree with you. That's sales. Right? If you want to raise, you're in sales. Yeah, I, I'm just trying to think. It's reminding me of a book I think I read a while back. I think um, it was by Dan Pink, To Sell Is Human. That's, oh, okay. Yep. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, think, I think you've hit the nail on the head there, Paul, because it's uh, whether we, you know, I know there's finance professionals that find it a challenge to uh, to work with sales colleagues, but there's a lot we can learn from them because a lot of what we do is sales. If we see yes. something happening in the mal uh, numbers and we want to be value creating, then it, we have to take those insights to impact. Influence is a key key factor there. Being able to go and sell an idea or sell what's happening or tell a story so that yep. we can take what's in our minds and put it into other people's and, and have a, have some connection on it yeah it's, you're completely right so i just don't think we probably put enough emphasis on. and i'm trying to think about you know some some conversations i had about some accounting exams and syllabuses lately it's the same back when, when i when i did my my chartered exams i don't believe i don't believe we talked much about influence i think we probably looked down on the sales team actually if any anything which is the wrong way of looking at it uh, we should be looking to learn not just from sales orgs but operations uh, customer service there's loads of loads of opportunities to go learn and go areas to go create value in um, yes and, and and in finance we've no excuse we've great access to, to data to information uh, financial and non-financial we've great access to decision makers um so so yeah we should just go get at it and and get out yep. there get outside our comfort zone so look thank you for prompting yes. prompting that paul I, I hadn't really thought about it like that so so i guess in terms of your work at the moment, what's what's exciting you most? 
what's exciting me most is that I, I see a a change coming, and it, it's 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 happening because I, I don't know about your part of the world, but in my part of the world, roughly forty percent of the workforce are now millennials. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They don't know any world other than computers. Yeah. So, so the ones that are my generation and older, which tend to be a lot of the, the existing business owners, are being pushed from the bottom to modernize. Right? And so I see this coming, and, and, and I, some of the capabilities I see in software now is, is really nice. It's like, wow, this stuff can do amazing things. And, and like, so, I, yeah, yeah. So you're saying there, Paul. So that's that's what gets me excited because I, I see, you know, one of the things that I see is is that small businesses that embrace what software can do for them can really compete well with big business. That I I, I like the fact that you said it. I, I feel it's it's quite bold. But what gives you that sense of confidence to say it? Well. Because, like, how many times have you been into, a, like, I'll use retail as, as an yeah, example, yeah, yeah. A, a large retailer, and there's no customer service, there's no knowledge, there's no personal connection, right? And, and yes, there's, there's this whole e-commerce thing going, but if, if, if these smaller businesses that are, are not focused on scale, they can use software to compete with these large businesses via e-commerce, but also compete with them on, on the street with personality. Yeah, with personality, yeah, I like that. Right, and, and that personal connection, because the people that are coming into your store are not buying things. They're buying an experience. Well said, and that's yeah. something a large business it has a tough time delivering. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I felt it. I thought it. I, I never felt as 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 strong as you to be able to articulate it that way, Paul. So I, no, I, I agree. Now, what, what, where I'm going to challenge you on though is, with the, you know, I, I'd be probably one of the older millennials out there, but in terms of us coming along as a generation, I mean, do you know, and our focus on technology and interacting with our machines. Do you yep. think? Do you think like? Um, do you think we're going to be able to make the most of that, or business is going to be able to tap into that? Because, you know, from a personal skills perspective, maybe we're not as used to interacting with other human beings. <laughs> I know it's a tongue in cheek, but um, but like, what do you think? Do you think we have the potential, or do you think that's another challenge to overcome? Well, I, I think, you know, it, this is something that 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 people latch onto in in conversation on this yeah. thing, but I think. What they fail to recognize is that similar conversation has occurred with every generation, right? The, the words are different. The, the specifics might be different, but every generation that comes along is different. And, and the older generation and the younger generation need to have a meeting of minds of how we're going to work together because there is no other option. Yeah, actually, actually, funny you mentioned that. I want to share this with our audiences. I was speaking with an executive of a large business lately, and I was saying, and actually also an accounting organization, I was saying we, we don't leverage those conversations between generations enough where people yes. share. 
it's like mentoring yeah. and also reverse mentoring at the same time it's actually sharing knowledge and just having yes. a conversation and then that's yeah. bringing a meeting of minds together i just don't think we do it enough yeah well so in what i do one of the things that i encourage businesses to do is is find so the the younger people who are going to pick this stuff up really quickly and easily and have them teach the older ones be the on-site resources for the ongoing education encouragement um, because of that that process of of teaching and learning yeah. also creates that interpersonal understanding between the generations I'm like, i can i can see that like i can see it playing out i mean Hopefully, many listeners here have seen that played out in their own life, whether it's with a parent or um, a grandparent or even in yep. a work environment. Um, yes. It does. It's a really good way of developing strong interpersonal bonds and relationships where people are looking out for each other as well from an opportunities perspective, but also I think from a business perspective, it's a great way of creating value when, when minds meet like that. Yes. Right. And, and in terms of your your... Um, topic of, of the millennials and, and their focus on the machines, the, the one thing that I would suggest not only to millennials, but everybody else in the finance profession is you need to get out of your office, walk around. The, the, the person on the shipping dock can teach you a lot about your business that you had no idea was going on. All you need to do is go out and talk to them. Be curious, ask questions. And they will teach you. And 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 uh, again, I want. I think that's great advice, Paul. I, and I want to encourage people. We've we've had previous guest mentors on the show that have said very similar. And there's actually, I said, like, what's the worst thing that could happen from doing that? And they said, well, actually, it was a great thing that happened because I actually learned so much, and um, I realised I could do this, and I did it more, and I was able to add yep. more value to the business, and develop deeper connections with people. I mean, it's a great thing to do. It's, it's something with very little downside, if any, and loads of upside. That's right. Right. You, you, you learn so much more about the business. And to me, one of the things I have seen is, is again, come back to that large business versus small. The, the large businesses tend to be that very spreadsheet driven focus on the numbers without the connection to what the numbers mean and and the impact your decision will have on the customer experience yeah, comes back to experience yeah that, and that's a great way of looking for it if people are doubting whether or not they want to come out from behind their desks you know like are you giving people a great experience either in your organizations or, or outside or whatever you give people a great experience of sitting there producing reports or you know playing with the transactions or making journals or doing journals you know, ask, ask yourself that question because um, you got to find some way of motivating yourself to go and give a better experience so you can go and create value for others. Because if we're not creating value, doing that extra, as you say, Paul, then we're very, very fast risk of becoming irrelevant quickly. Yes. Or, or, or and, and when you get out and you talk to people and, and you, um, you create that personal connection, they'll listen to you more when you say, well, you know, we should really do this in our business. Yeah. Right. Because now that they've, they've, they've talked to you, you're a real live person, you've got personality. (laughs) (laughs) They, they, they receive what you say differently. 
this as well consistently is is to be true to yourself. Um, I think that's very very important um, to know what your passion is and and go for it and and never give out. And I guess that has given me a, a attribute that I I'm always very proud of is is, is authenticity. Um, to be a good business partner or, or, you know, a finance person, whatever that you call, or even a business leader, one has to be authentic. Authentic as in, you know, be honest about your strengths, your weaknesses, and, and not to be afraid to be vulnerable um, with, your, with your peers, even with your boss or, or you know, with your colleagues. You can only do that when you're, when you're true to yourself. So that's the advice that I would give to, to anybody else. Couldn't agree more. And that's if if you want a meaningful, rewarding and a successful career, the only way that's going to happen is if you are true to yourself, because if you're not, it's never going to sit right with you. Mm-hmm. I, li- I like how you mentioned being a little vulnerable as well. Again, that's just, that's just part of being human. And as much as some people look at us accountants and think that you're all about the numbers, you, you know, you, you probably haven't got the best emotion <laughs> or social intelligence. I, I can tell you we're, we're not like that. You know, we are human beings yeah. as well. And the more we let that shine through, I think the more we'll enjoy ourselves and the, the more value we were there to add. So great, great bit of advice. Just, just thinking in terms of resources for our listeners, would there be one sort of audio book or book or documentary you might recommend to our audience that they should go check out? I do have a book. It's a very, very old book. It is not an indication of my age, but <laughs> okay. Um, I'm not sure if you've heard of this book before. It's called The Little Prince. It's by a French author. I I can never get his name right in terms of pronunciation. But in that little little book, um, I always remember there's uh, there's a phrase when it talk about um, it's only with the heart that one can see it rightly and what is essential is invisible to the eye. Um, again, coming out from an accountant, it sounds a little odd, but um, I guess coming back to being a human and, and to be a good and, and um, trusted business partner, you must have that human element and must have the ability to empathize and connect with people. And this particular book has taught me a lot of those, um, including be authentic, be true to yourself. The Little Prince, Antoine de Saint-Exupéry. Ah, yes. <laughs> yeah. The joys of the internet. I, I didn't know that off the top name. of my head. <laughs> Anyhow, so yeah, this is me being honest and authentic. <laughs> but yes, it's one of the great favorites. I shall put links to that in our show notes. So, Wei-Chen, thank you for sharing that with us and, and why it's such a great resource. I guess, you know, in terms of the, the finance professional today, there's some sort of qualities we've discussed people should maybe be looking towards developing. But for the finance person of the future, what would be, in your mind, the key qualities that they need to be developing now to, to remain relevant, not only today, but also into the future? Having that global and open mindset and having that curiosity um, about changes when, when, when a person has that curiosity, um, in general, they tend to be a lot more receptive and open about change. And I can foresee there are going to be more changes um, coming along, be it technology, be it globalization, or, or just, you know, or even politics that, that's possible that impacts some of the policy as well that will affect finance professional. Um, so, yeah, keep an open mind. Um, you know, be curious about things. That will ensure, you know, the, the relevance into the future. So there you have it. Hope you enjoyed today's show. 
If you'd like to know more about our guests today, their bio, and follow up on the resources mentioned during the show, you can find all the relevant links and more at sitnshow.com. There you'll also be able to get access to earlier shows, read the latest blogs. There's also an opportunity to subscribe to our newsletter, which will give you heads up as to when the next show is coming out, latest events, news, and anything that's going to be relevant to help you have a fun, rewarding, and successful career in finance and accounting. And just before you go, we really appreciate your feedback. If there's something we can do better on the show, something that's not working, or something you'd like to see, even a guest you'd like for us to invite onto the show, someone who you think might be able to benefit you more and also the rest of our community, please let me know. You can email me. I'm at andrew at sitnshow.com or feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Just drop me a message so I know how you found me and we can connect. And really it's our community that will make the show. If we keep engaging and driving each other on, we'll keep on building our strength in the numbers. When all is said and done, if we can do the numbers better and finance better, we'll create more opportunities for ourselves, our friends, our families, our communities and our businesses. So until next time, have a good rest of the week. Take care and let's keep building our strength in the numbers. 